Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 118. My dad sat down with me one day. We went uh, to Ryerson University and it was the broadcasting school there. And he was like, you know what? I think I pursued my career for the wrong reasons. I pursued it because I needed money and I wanted money. And I think you should do it because you love this. And like that always stands out to me as such a pivotal moment in my life because he gave me the confidence to want to pursue a creative life. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we've got another deep dive interview. If you guys have been following along the show, you know Mondays we do our deep dive interviews. And today I share a conversation with a friend of mine, Chris Howe. Chris explains all about uh, creating content, social media, and marketing. We talk a lot about marketing and how social media and building um, building a following all really has to do with marketing uh, and how by marketing yourself, you can not only build the following, build the community, but also build a business off of it. So Chris has done a phenomenal job of building that community, building his following and becoming uh, a social media influencer. And yeah, just really shares a lot of his experience over the past 10 years of how he did that and the magic behind the content that he creates. So very excited to share this conversation with you guys. And let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is the YouTube sensation, Chris Howe. Chris, you are a filmmaker, photographer, and creative director in Toronto, Canada, kind of uh, close to my old home stomping grounds in the Ottawa Valley. And we actually got to do a cool project together over in England um, for the upcoming launch of the James Bond film. But that was pre-COVID, and so everything got delayed, and it was kind of, kind of. I don't even know if the project really launched. But, but any, either way, we got to hang out in England together, and it was a great time, and kind of got to know you there. Um, but let's kind of like go back to the beginning a little bit, if you're okay with that. And tell us a little bit about your story, um, kind of how you got into photographer or how you got into photography and, um, and also just kind of like how you built yourself up in the social media world as an influencer on YouTube and Instagram and all that jazz. Yeah. So, I mean, my whole life has been about being like a creative in some capacity. Like when I was around, you know, eight years old, my mom bought me like my first camera, which was called this digital blue. I think I could probably even grab it for you afterwards, but literally it shot like 240p video, like super low quality, only five minutes and like 50 photos. And I would go to like the car shows with my dad and make these videos and and I started filming our family vacations. And like this, to give you some context, I didn't even know how to spell vacation, but I was like learning how to shoot and edit video. So I always made these things called like how family vactions. And my parents <laughs> would always laugh. They're like, okay, that's our vaction video that we're going to look at again. 
So it really started by just like documenting and vlogging these trips that I went on with my family. And then from there, I started upgrading. My mom would use her points at Shoppers Drug Mart, which I think you're familiar with, you know, yeah. in Canada. So the local store has a little like electronic section and I, you know, we got our points together and I got a slightly better camera. And then I started shooting and then eventually just kept upgrading and upgrading and upgrading upgrading to when I was deciding like, well, where should I go to school? And I had the grades to be able to go and become an engineer. I was also looking at like a creative field because I was pursuing music. I was making songs I loved. I was shooting videos and making music videos for all these things. I was in bands. I loved being a creative person. And essentially like my dad sat down with me one day, we went uh, to Ryerson university and it was the broadcasting school there. And he was like, you know what? I think I pursued my career for the wrong reasons. I pursued it because I needed money and I wanted money. And I think you should do it because you love this. And like that always stands out to me as such a pivotal moment in my life because he gave me the confidence to want to pursue a creative like life. So I ended up going to Ryerson. I started making videos. We started a YouTube channel. I had this thing called the LMA show, like E-L-E-M. A-E-H show, which is also like laugh my ass off show, which was supposed to be. So we made like a hundred episodes of that. I started a band with my grade 12 English teacher called the bloody five, where there was only four members after I graduated high school with him. So I was always doing creative stuff. I was filming, I was on YouTube. I was in bands. I was making music videos. I was like doing all of this. And when I graduated, I remember sitting down and watching Casey Neistat, who was a very big vlogger, and this video auto-played to Ben Brown. He made a travel video called Canada Visual Vibes. And I remember watching that with my, I remember sitting in my basement of my parents' house, and I remember being so inspired after that video. I was like, I want to start filming all of my trips, putting them on YouTube, putting them on Facebook Watch. And that eventually started my career making like travel films. And then eventually... I was filming wedding videos with a friend of mine named Peter McKinnon, who is a very, very popular YouTuber. Yep. We rekindled our friendship when I was around 20, 21. And he basically sat me down. He's like, you would be so great at this YouTube thing. Like, look, you've been doing all this stuff for years. you got a fun personality. Like, just give, give it a shot. You should do it. So I just committed. I, you know, finally said, I'm going to upload regularly. And that's basically how my YouTube career started, how being a creative started and how I just kind of kept doing it, even though I had multiple failures of like bands didn't work out and, you know, videos wouldn't do well. It was the commitment and having belief from big pivotal people in my life that kind of led me to the point where I'm sitting with this concrete background. We're chatting. We went to England together. We're doing social stuff together. Um, and that's, that's the life and how I kind of got to this stage. That's a, that's amazing. And, uh, it's, it's a cool story of obviously, uh, I get to talk with a lot of different successful people and, and it's always amazing to hear the success stories, but, but people don't always get the grind that goes behind the scenes. And, and I think too often people hear about these like so-called, you know, overnight successes, um, but they're not seeing all the different years of projects that, you know, you did that, that either didn't take off or, or, you know, weren't the success story necessarily. Um, and then it's always that one that really just does take off. So that's super cool. And I'm glad obviously that you, that you kept at it. Um, you, you kind of mentioned about how Peter was the one that really, um, I don't know if he was the one that influenced you into becoming like a, a more of a YouTube star or whatever. Obviously he's got a super successful YouTube following and career himself, uh, and photography as well. How much of it has to do with networking in that kind of aspect um, versus, 
Like it could have been anybody that gave you the advice of like, hey, you should just try it. Like, was it just like the nudge of like, hey, you should do this? Or was it more of like, hey, this guy has done it and he's kind of like showing me the ropes of how to do it uh, myself. Like, I'm just trying to think for like, you know, the young up and comers, can it be anybody that tells them like, go for it? Or do you think that they need really someone to kind of show them how to do it? I think it's really important that you hear the advice from the right person. You know, your parents can always tell you like, I believe in you and you should go and do it. Um, But it is different when it comes from like a third party and someone who can kind of like be on the outside and be like, Hey, you know what? I see this in you. And I think you'd be really good at it. So one, I think like the context of the person is really important. And then kind of moving back to your point about networking, I, I think networking does play a really big role. Like I would say I was fairly lucky in the sense that, you know, I shot a wedding with Peter, like five years before his own career took off and that we had already had this like kind of friendship there that kind of started from like a place that wasn't you know, he had his career and I'm trying to learn about it. It really came from like, we were both in the grind together, making wedding videos, learning, getting better at our craft. And we kind of collided. Like it was almost like a lucky chance there. Uh, That being said, I know lots of people in our field who had also just built their careers without any networking at all. You know, I think I was doing some form of the in some capacity when Peter met, like met me, like he saw, I was on Facebook watch making videos, posting, things like I had a lot of success on Facebook watch previous to shifting over to YouTube. So I was making viral travel videos and he saw that and he was like, part of his boost to me was like, well, you're doing it in the wrong place. You have the skill, you have the talent, you're just in the wrong, you're at the wrong house, right? Like you got to go to this place over here. And if you do the exact same thing at this location, you'll see success. So I think it's important, like networking does play a big role. Like his shout out did kind of help me get there. But two, I had already had 10 years of kind of doing this to the point when I finally committed and I was able to do it. I had already gone through a lot of the mistakes. So the moment there was eyeballs on me, it wasn't as scary. It wasn't as hard. And I had had the work ethic to be able to follow through. So I would say to anybody that's listening, whether like whatever stage they're at in their career, you know, networking does play a role. And I, I consider myself to be very lucky to have met someone like that, who both gave me the confidence and um, the, almost the consultation on what I was doing to say like, and had the confidence to say like, yo, you're kind of doing it wrong, do it this way. Um, but I also would say like, I have friends, my friend, Daniel Schiffer, like built his entire career without any networking. Like he just did it by posting regularly, showing up every day and having the talent and the skill set. So I think it's, it's multifaceted. I don't think there's any route to success. I think it really just comes down to, uh, you know, it could be random as like bumping into someone to being like, if that's what you want, you you'll study it and you'll learn it and you'll commit your life to it. And you will see success. If you just stay at it, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. I tried to do the music thing. It didn't really work out. I tried to do the band thing. Didn't really work out. I tried to do, you know, uh, the, a bunch of different avenues that I've had seen, you know, their form of failure. I don't think they're failure. I think they're all lessons, um, to the point where something did eventually take off and the right people had kind of given me some guidance. Yeah, I love that. And and I couldn't agree more with the networking. And, and I almost, I live my life in this world where I feel like I'm, I'm just always networking. Like in the sense that you and I, we met in England in person. Almost all of the guests that I've had on the show, 
I mean, this is, I don't even know when this will come out, 100 and something um, episode. And almost all of my interviews are, are people that I've met in person and that are friends of mine or, or just, you know, colleagues in, in one avenue or another. Um, so I just, I kind of feel like everybody is always networking. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're talking to somebody at the corner store or whether you're on a trip and you meet someone, you're like sitting beside somebody in an airplane. You know what I mean? You, you can always be networking if you live in that world. Um, and you also mentioned how you were, you were kind of doing the same thing that you're doing now, but just in the wrong location, meaning like you were making the videos originally on Facebook and then Peter was kind of telling you like, hey, maybe we should switch this over to YouTube and, and it might just kind of take off from there. Where do you feel like just I, I feel like we live in this world right now that is constantly evolving in the sense of different social platforms. Um, and how do you kind of stay on top of that? Like, obviously, you've got you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got YouTube, then there's Snapchat, then there's TikTok, then there's like this whole like metaverse that's launching. Like, where is it in, in the world of like trying to stay relevant in all the different platforms or the up and coming platforms versus like, this is where I know success is working for me. So I'm going to stick with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's being open to it. Like right now, YouTube is still working really, really well for us and our channel and like the audiences that we have. And that's not to say that it's at all dying out, but I definitely would say like, you know, I used to be able to like release a video and know that it would get like 100,000 views without really like overthinking it. And now we put a lot of planning into videos and we understand algorithms and we study like a bunch of things. So it becomes a little bit more challenging, but in a sense that like it challenges your creativity and it challenges you to be better. So like one of the things that we're always working on, and again, this isn't directly answering your question, is just trying to always focus on like, did we improve upon our last video? Like rather than comparing to anybody else, did we do something better? Now moving on to like the competition and, and being open to different areas, you know, a lot of people always try to repurpose content from like YouTube for TikTok. But one of the things that I find uh, interesting is that it's hard to always try to repurpose like something that works on YouTube might not work on TikTok and something that works on TikTok might not work on like Instagram reels. And I feel like you really have to start to make conscious decisions rather than trying to be everywhere and please everyone, unless you have a team, I think you got to put your eggs in the baskets that make sense for you. So when I look at like my career, I go, well, YouTube, what, so if I did TikTok, why am I doing TikTok? right? Is it doing, am I doing it to stay relevant? Am I doing it to feed my ego? Am I doing it to try to get more fans and eyeballs? Like what's, am I doing it to make more money? Like what's the reason why? Whereas like YouTube, it's long form content. People can search it forever. It, you know, it's one of these things that has paid out really, really well. I can build a whole team. You know, I have a full-time employee working behind me, cleaning up the studio while I'm doing this interview. Like that system works, that, that business works. And we're obviously trying to stay open to it, but I think if I commit to TikTok and part of the reason I hasn't like jumped onto it is because like I, it's the same thing that happened with YouTube. When I committed to YouTube, I was like, I'm doing this and I'm doing it properly. I'm showing up every single day because I never want to like half-ass something. So uh, when I did Instagram, like part of the reason I've seen success on Instagram is because like I learned how to be a good photographer. I learned the platform. I learned what makes sense. So I showed up as often as I possibly can on that platform. Same with YouTube. We're committed. We're there every single week, unless I'm taking a vacation. Uh, but with TikTok, I don't, I'm still hesitant to do it because I don't know if I'm like going to give it my all. And if I'm going to do it, that becomes an issue. So really to, it becomes very complicated because now there's so many different places to be. And I don't want to like 
try here, there, there. Now I'm like anxious about trying to do so much. So I'm really trying to pick like my homes, which are like YouTube and Instagram have always been good. And now I'm being more open to like potentially doing TikTok, but everything else is just like, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you're, you're like focusing on your, your niche area and kind of like, where's the success and where do you want to be? And, and I also love that you mentioned like, why would you be going to TikTok if you were to go to that avenue, right? Like, what is the reason? Is it just for views? Is it because I think I'll make more money? Is it that because I think it'd be fun? Like, I, I love that you're asking that question because I think, you know, often people will be like, oh, well, I've got to do this or that or the other thing because that's what everybody's doing. And and stopping for a second and, and realizing like, well, why do I want to do that? Um, is, is a great question. And, and I just love that you're asking that as far as, uh, as far as your success within YouTube itself. And, and this kind of goes beyond, we'll say YouTube and Instagram, cause I, I would consider you super successful in both platforms. Um, and I mean, just social media kind of as a whole, but how much of it is your story, your storytelling and your photography and your videos versus like, the thumbnails and the algorithm algorithms and the hashtags and the and the captions and all that kind of stuff like how much of it just is the artwork versus or i guess i i don't know i guess it's all kind of artwork in in one way or another but i almost feel like there's more than just the photography or the picture or the video sometimes yeah i i almost say like half of the battle is the understanding the social media aspect of it and marketing you know one of the biggest things that resonated with me when i was in school uh that like i feel like no one it didn't really stick with other people but i remember our professor saying for every dollar spent on production two dollars is spent on marketing so like i was uh, that blew my mind at the time because i started to think it was like oh well like that james bond film that we just watched right that budget was like a few hundred million dollars so now you're talking like twice that budget just to market it. And I think yeah. the same thing principle kind of goes for social media. Like I can make a video in one day and I will spend just as long sometimes on the thumbnail and the title. And that's wow. because like that plays such an important part in like the marketing aspect, like how is someone clicking on it? So yes, you should make a big video, but like, I just had a big discussion with another friend of mine in the space yesterday that he almost says like, do whatever you can to get someone to click on the video. And that becomes like a whole thing about marketing and clickbait and making titles that seem clicky. Like, you know, we just, the video that's coming out on Monday, I learned so much. Like a friend of mine told me, he's like, you got to add more clarity because that means it pops more upon everything else. And it doesn't become about the art because if it was about the art, I would make a thumbnail that I think represents the video. But if it becomes about marketing, it becomes like, how do you get someone to click it? So that becomes a really big thing. So sometimes we spend twice as long marketing a video or twice as long coming up with all the ways to get it out and seen uh, to be able to get the success because there's two different ways of defining success. There's one where I go like, is it the art piece? Is it what you made? Is it what it represents? Or is, you know, the only metric that we view success is in views and followers and, and things like that. So I think Riding that fine line is really important because I could be the person that makes those videos that, you know, like, oh no, the string is attached to the girl's bra. What's going to happen? <laughs> right. And like, they, they get views, they make money, maybe they get followers, or I can be the person that like makes something that's meaningful to a community and gets 30,000 views, but like, it really means something to those 30,000 people. So I think it's really important to like, I have an understanding of how you define success. Um, and then also understanding that a big portion of it is the art of marketing too. I love that. I love that you're talking about how you're defining su success uh, as a whole, because I think you're totally correct where 
society either. I mean, there's only certain ways that that society deems success and and it's either, you know, if it's if we're talking social media, it's followers, it's uh, likes. Um, if we're talking, you know, externally, it, it's usually like monetary wealth, like uh, showable things of that sort. The interesting part is how we can each determine success in our own rights, um, you know, with within ourselves. I also wonder, though, when we're kind of talking about this whole clickbait type mentality, like like what you're saying, your friend says, like they have to, you have to get them to click it. So do whatever you can to get them to to click the video. Do you? Is there kind of like a battle on trying to be authentic with what you're putting out there as that thumbnail, as that title, as whatever, versus like being a hundred percent clickbait? You know what I mean? Like we've we've all seen those videos uh, where they say, I, you know, the world is falling, the sky is falling, whatever it is, whatever they're going to say to get you to click it, but it has nothing to do with the video itself. Yeah, I, part of it is just so tricky because you're you want people to respect you and you want people to be able to come to your channel and, and understand like what they're going to be getting. Uh, but it's such a tough battle because like you know we're working on a video right now where we're literally doing like four hundred dollar gimbal versus twenty thousand dollar gimbal, and it's because it's a spectacle. It's because we know that those get views. We know that that will uh, you know please the client because the client's metrics in that situation are like they want to get views on the video so that people are aware of their new product that's coming out. Um, and you gotta, you gotta ride that so finely because it's so difficult. Cause if you go to clickbait, then people don't want to click on them at all. Cause they, they feel like they've lost touch in your brand. They don't like what you represent. And then at the same time, if you don't make them clicky at all, then no one's watching it. And then your channel still dies. So like, it's, it's really weird. You have to find this beautiful balance of like just enough click and interest, but not too much that it's like, People are like, oh, come on. Like, what is this thing, right? Yeah. I, I guess the, the fine line is almost like it needs to be clickbait enough to get them to click it, but authentic enough to get them to come back for a second video. Do you know what I mean? Like, because that's the, that's the whole purpose is to get them to come back and build a community around it as well, right? Yeah. As well as that the video delivers on the title. I think a lot of people get really annoyed when it's a clickbait title, but then the video doesn't actually follow through on the promise of whatever it is. Like, you know, it's as simple as like, oh my God, can't believe she went and did that. And then like they went in and it's like, all she did was eat a French fry off the ground. And you're like, oh my, what? come on. Like, this is so stupid. I just wasted five minutes of my life <laughs> watching this video that, yeah, nothing happened. You know, for example, like someone might say like uh, that one of the videos I made was like 12 megapixels versus like 200 megapixels. Can you spot the difference? And like for a lot of people that could be a very clickbaity title, but the video completely delivered on it. So when you watch the video, you're like, oh, I clicked it. It did feel clicky, but it's, ex it's exactly delivered on the promise of what that title was. So you can feel okay with it, but you still have like 10% guilt that you clicked on like the, the clicky title and you're like, you look around, you're like, <laughs> you is anybody watching me? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, in also in building this community, and, cause I think you actually did a YouTube video on it, um, on kind of like how to build your Instagram following and stuff like that. And, and one of the things that you talk about is, um, building this community and engaging more with with like mind um, channels and different things like that, as well as obviously responding and engaging with all the comments that are on your channel. How much time are you spending like 
engaging, we'll say engaging on all the different social media platforms versus, you know, creating your, your art, your work, uh, your videos, content. So where's, where's kind of like that fine line, like whether you're calling, you know, whether it's your, your business hours or, or what, but like time-wise in a day, how many hours are spent making, like shooting, editing videos versus, or, or photos or whatever, versus like engaging with comments and, and other uh, social media? Yeah, I try to only engage an hour after every piece of content like goes live. So if it's a YouTube video, I do my best to try to stick around to like, you know, the first hour. If it's a more meaningful video to me, maybe I'll like let it feed my ego a little bit and check, double check just to see what people are commenting and saying about it. Or if it's something I, I really care about. Uh, that being said, I'm trying to set boundaries where I really only check how well something performed afterwards. But also going back to like, one of the biggest things we've been talking a lot about like marketing and we've talking a lot about like metrics and like how often do you engage in comments? I think one of the biggest things to like mindsets that's really important when it comes to social media is just remembering that like every single comment and like, like is like an actual person. So when you can start to like empathize with that, um, it becomes like more like you're just talking to a friend that you're like, Hey, look, friend, look, I just released this. What do you, what do you think? And like, that when it becomes less about like, I'm doing it because I need to engage with them and make sure it feels like, you know, they feel like they're being talked to. I think if you just treat it like you're a real human talking to another real human, and it's just through a phone, it makes it feel more like therapeutic and less like a job. And it becomes more about like a conversation about art. So I think we've lost a little like the humanity when it comes to marketing around social media. And I always try to like, remind myself that like, that's a real person, except for the bots. There's always like, hey, sexy boy, here's $500. And, I, and it's become a thing where I actually engage with the robots just because I like to troll them. That's funny. That's <laughs> Finally, so funny. a robot who sees who I truly am. <laughs> That's classic. I'm going to have to start doing that. Just just like meant, like calling them out that it's a bot, but like engage with it either way. I, I totally agree where like obviously the people that are you know, messaging and commenting and, or DM or any of that kind of stuff. And I agree that, you know, these are real people that are actually either interested in the work or really just want to reach out and, and, you know, contact you, message you, any of that kind of stuff. And, and I try my best to always engage as far as like, what are your thoughts when you get the, like, you know, the, the triple fist pump or the, you know, the fire, uh, emoji, anything like that? Like, it's a little harder for me to like, you know, really go in depth and be like, oh, this is a person who's really interested. It's more kind of like, it's almost like the, the thumbs up high five kind of like of the social media, no? Yeah, I think you will match the person's commitment. Like if they write a really meaningful comment, I don't think you might just like write fire emoji back. Like maybe you'll <laughs> write something a little bit more meaningful. Again, yeah. I, I treat it, I treat it very similar to like a real life conversation. If someone came up and was like, fire, 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 you'd be like, cool. Thanks, man. And then yeah. but if someone came up and was like, yo, that when you dove off the waterfall and then you came through, I was like feeling it and I could sense your stress and anxiety. And when you pop through, it inspires me to push through the other things in life. Well, maybe you might respond like, more meaningful than like, thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Thumbs up. Yeah. So I think you might, you, I think it's just like matching people's, um, you know, level of how authentic their comments are, uh, is kind of like a good metric to kind of like go off of. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and where's, where's kind of your aspect in like, in, in regards to posting, like how often are you, you know, posting actual content, whether it be on YouTube, uh, Instagram, any, any of that kind of stuff? 
Yeah. In terms of a posting schedule, like for a while on Instagram, I was posting, you know, this year I committed to like posting every single day and I did it for like seven months straight. Um, and that was really difficult. Um, but I did that as more of a challenge for myself as like a creative and trying to shoot more and make myself better. Cause what I realized when I first started Instagram, I challenged myself to shoot a photo and post every single day. And that made me better at my job. So this was kind of like another moment and like exercise and like, well, can I write captions and not be so stressed out about it? Cause that used to stress me out for a while. So how can I come up every day with a new caption? So that's an exercise. That's a way in like improving my skill set. Cause I would say like, one of my weaknesses that I've always been trying to work on, especially this year is like a big focus on writing. So like really that became a focus on how do I write more engaging content? How do I write captions that are good for social media? So that was more of a practice there for me. So that's why I did that. When it comes to YouTube, I try to show up once a week. Like, and that's tough because sometimes I'll even just make a video for the sake of just being there. So maybe that's not always like the best motivation. I think it really should in this space sometimes be like you show up with your best work, but on the same side, like, you know, sometimes I've made videos when I show up for work and I just do it because it's the job and I make something quick and that video blows up and gets lots of fans and people love it. And there was a great quote from, uh, in one of Macklemore's songs, he goes, the greats weren't great because at birth they could paint. The greats were great because they paint a lot. And I always look at like, maybe, you know, not every piece of Picasso's work is the best piece that he's ever made, but he got better all the time. And maybe, you know, he had to make those two videos that are two paintings that weren't good to be able to make the one that was great. And I think showing up every day is a really important thing when it comes and treating it like a job and treating it like a nine to five, like what we do here at our studio. So for me, that's a really important thing. So I try to show up once a week and then on Instagram, I'd like to try to post like three times a week. Again, it, it varies and we're always working on so many projects, but you know, I don't think there's any, you know, universal, like you gotta do this and you gotta do that. Like some weeks we post two videos, some weeks we post zero videos, like some weeks we post four videos. Like it's just, it is, it is what it is. And, um, you feel inspired more than other times. And, but I do stand by the, the idea that you should show up at least. Yeah, no, I, I love that both Macklemore's quote, but also just the idea of showing up for sure. Have you figured out that like, cause we've all probably experienced this where you, whether it be a photo, whether it be a video, whether it be a song, whatever it might be, um, where you spend like a ton of work at it. You spend a ton of time. You feel like you've made like this masterpiece and you're so proud of it and it just totally flops versus like something that you just like, you literally just talk in three seconds, you'd post just to do it. And then it goes viral. Um, like almost like I, it, for me, I've, I felt like for a while I got almost jaded where when I would post raw content, like a raw GoPro video, it would go way more viral than if I was to like edit for three days and try to make like a really cool edit or something. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, we, I, we're going through that right now. We released a really big project on the YouTube channel this week called the creator, the creator anthem. And, you know, it's a poem I wrote. It was a song I got produced. We spent like six days shooting it, like two full days editing it, then, or almost more three days editing it, then getting colored, then released. And like, you know, it's not doing bad. I, I always want to like say things relative because, you know, maybe like on my channel, 50,000 to a hundred thousand views is like an average. And this one did like 30, 35,000 views. And like, but one of the most important things and one of the metrics that is important to me is that that video was 
a really big challenge for us. It was like something I really wanted to make. Two, it's been very impactful to the audience as watched it. So like the comments are super in-depth and really meaningful. And I think that video has built my brand stronger. So rather than looking at it being like, oh, I didn't get millions of views. Well, well, you know, it's an art piece. It's me writing a poem. Like I should have some expectations that, you know, it's going to do okay versus, you know, you start to look at these videos that we make that are super clicky and very viral and get millions of views and like, I think there's an expectation there that sometimes, okay, I make this video for the views. I make this video for me. I make this one because I know my audience will love it. I make this one because I love it. And I think they will love it too, in some capacity. So again, you know, um, and then one of the other parts I wanted to add to yours, cause you were talking about like raw clips. I think that everyone's BS meters are at like a hundred percent these days. And I think, you know, just like we've gotten better at being content creators, I think audiences have gotten better at being viewers. And the moment, like, let's say I was talking, I'm like, you know what? I'm shooting with the iPhone. It shoots this many pixels and everyone's like, oh God, this is an ad. They skip away. Right. And I think people can see an ad right away. I think people can tell if you're being salesy. I think people can tell if you're trying too hard. And sometimes that's just like, those are lots of things where it's like you post in a rock clip, you do it quickly. And then it gets a million views or something like that. Like maybe there's some merit to that. Maybe there's merit to that. Like there's audiences now that just want like authentic because you can historically look at like, you know, reality television and the reasons why people always gravitated towards that because it feels real, even though it's scripted. And I think the more real and authentic something is, hence why like a lot of content shot on a phone does so well is because the actual video quality itself says so much about something being authentic. Like I could, let's say it's like a, an orca jumping out of the water and I shoot it on like an amazing camera and slow motion and the whale, like, whoo, but I shoot it on a phone and it feels so authentic. And like, I just captured the moment and that video goes more viral. Like both are valid. Both are, have their own, you know, reasons why people care about them. But at the end of the day, I think people's BS readers are at a full-time high and that's why authentic raw content does better. I love that advice. I think you're totally on it. I think, I think that the BS meters, oh, well, just because we have been bombarded in the past couple of years with content, content, content in every, I mean, that's just what the world that we live in right now. That's what marketing is, uh, is through content nowadays. And the more that we see it, the more that we figure out what is, you know, BS, what is being pushed on us uh, or, you know, shoved down your throat versus like, what is that raw, real moment that was unedited almost. And so, yeah, I, I haven't really thought about it that way before, but I think you're a hundred percent correct. And, and, and I think that really is probably why some of that content does, uh, especially on, maybe on my feed, I don't know, but, um, some of that content might do better than, than maybe like a, a piece together edit or something like that. Yeah. I, polished content's weird. I, I saw something recently that really resonated where they, someone was saying like Instagram is now becoming Facebook and Gen Z doesn't like polished content because they want really like authentic, you know, content delivered to them. So it's almost like, you know, the era that you and I grew up with, which was like on Instagram and taking sick photos and doing all that, like there's value in it and there's merit to it, but maybe that's more directed at an older audience versus like this Gen Z, which might grow to appreciate more polished work with time is appreciating more authentic and they don't want to be sold to, and they want to feel like they connect and are real and conversations are being had that relate to them versus, 
you know, people who are censoring things and uh, trying to tell a very like streamlined story, um, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Like, you know, the great shows on Netflix that are shot beautifully. Like when you go to Netflix, you know, you want to watch quality content, but when you go on TikTok, maybe you want like, you know, really raw and authentic. And then when you go to Instagram, your expectation is that it is a little bit better, like polished photos. So like, I think the distribution and the medium also play a really big part in um, how we connect with different pieces of content, if they go viral or not. I also like, feel like you can analyze the, the for days, all of this shit. Like I think you, at the, at the end of the day, rather than being so like driven by stats and media, I think sometimes just make whatever the hell you want to make and like, let that be like the only reason why you want it to do well. I know we have careers. It's tough. Cause like my financial success is directly attached to the success of my content from through views. So yes, I will study marketing and study all this, but like, like if we're just real and being humans, like sometimes just like, honestly, just make things that you like and try not to be so worried about how much people think or care about it. That that's, that's maybe the best advice yet. Uh, and, and I couldn't agree more. And, and, and it almost goes back to your, the, the poem and, and the, the video that you just posted where, Sometimes you just have to realize like, yeah, this one, this one's just for me and I'm putting it up there and I'm putting it out to the world to share. But if nobody else appreciates it, that's fine too, because I made this, this piece for me. And, and I think the more that you do that as well, maybe the more that that authenticity will come through your content and, uh, and probably the, the viewers or the, um, readers or whoever's, you know, um, digesting your content would probably, uh, agree with that as well i would think yeah well it almost sounds like very like you would hear this in a therapy session but like in, <laughs> in a weird way i think the the less that you care about being liked by everybody the the better it will be and then people will actually like you like the moment you stop like caring that like will this do well what are, what do people think how do i come across is this weird is this going to get me in trouble and like the moment you just make it for you and you are confident in like how you are and whatever your energy is, then it's weird. Cause then people are like, Oh, what's, what are they doing? That's sick. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just so funny how it works backwards because the moments when I don't care about like, well, I don't give a shit how this does. And I, I made this like, sometimes those videos do better and like people gravitate towards that more. Uh, we had that with an iPhone video recently. We had to make it really quickly. So I couldn't do multiple takes. I couldn't say, this is the latest iPhone 13 video. Uh, and then, all right, how was that take? Is it, let's play it back. Let's look at it again. Uh, I kind of like do this weird twitch with my eye. What do you think people are going <laughs> to like? I just was like, iPhone 13, whoa, let's have some fun. Like, I was just like, one take, we shot it. And like, people really liked how I came across in that video. And I thought that was just like a really interesting thing because when I stopped caring, it did better. <laughs> that's That's amazing. I love that. Chris, for all that you've done so far, uh, obviously you've had great success on social media, um, creating content. Uh, I mean, your photography and your your video, uh, it's all, your work is amazing. Beyond just the social media, your actual, your eye for the art uh, is really good as well. And and I being on the trip, I remember like a couple times you would take pictures of things that, that I was like, what is he going over there to take a picture of? And you'd come back and you'd show me and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, that's an incredible photo. And so I, I think that sometimes even the social media world that people forget just like how good of an artist you are, you know, behind the camera as well. Where do you kind of see yourself going with everything that you've built here with the, with the platforms on social media, with, with your art um, and everything? What's your next like three to five years look like? 
I think I, I get really excited about the opportunity about like building more businesses and building more products from the ground up. Like a big focus this year has been like, we built a bunch of digital products. I've built a bunch of courses. Um, I don't want to like have to rely so heavily on sponsorship all the time. And when I do, I want it to be something I'm really passionate about. I also want to bridge the gap because what I'm seeing happening in like our space right now is that marketing agencies are becoming a little less relevant. Uh, like they're still important, but at the same time where a traditional agency would be hired and then they would hire like another production crew to go and shoot something. You're seeing a lot of brands working directly with creators. So like, I want the opportunity to shoot like really like, this is more selfish, but I'd love to shoot like a massive car campaign that you would normally see something shot with like a massive crew. I'd love to do that. Like ourselves and be more of a director. And what I'm seeing happening more and more with my role these days is I'm becoming more of a writer and I'm becoming more of like somebody who is the creative director and says, I want to do this piece. Here's a team that will help build it out and do it. So I'll jump in on being a photographer or videographer on the projects that I really care about, but really working with teams and scaling this business up and creating jobs. That's really important to me. Like I really want to try to have this vehicle, whatever this social media success be, let that create more opportunities for people to have full-time jobs creating for their whole life. And then giving back more and more to the community, both on the sense of on the ground in person, whether that's through talks um, and, or through community building through like online platforms. I mean, that that's kind of like what I want to be doing. And then in the next, you know, three to five years too, like I'll probably be becoming like a dad towards the end of that cycle, um, which will be a really exciting part of it. So I want to work hard now so I can enjoy being a father um, when that time comes so I can kind of slow down a little bit. Awesome. Well, I, uh, I wish you the best with that. And, uh, I'll give you any advice I've got for the whole fatherhood thing, but it's, uh, not that I have it all figured out. That's for sure. I I'm constantly making mistakes, but, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a fun ride for sure. Uh, having a blast at it. Chris, I'm going to move us on to the next part of the show called the fire round and just uh, fire a couple quick questions off at you that I ask all of our guests. Um, Chris, do you by chance have a favorite quote uh, or current quote that you live by? Um, the notes that you don't play are just as important as the notes that you do. So when you play all the notes on a piano, it sounds like garbage. And the reason why your life will sound melodic is when you pick and choose and you have the ability to say no. Wow. That's amazing. I don't know if that's a quote from something else, but that was... I, I, it's kind of like, I think Miles Davis said, like the notes that you don't play are as important as the ones that you do. And so I kind of like elaborate on it and, and, and add, have added to it in some capacity. I have to double check that. Maybe I don't even know. I, just, I, like, I, like, I like that saying. So I say, I tell people that. <laughs> that's amazing. It's a great, great advice and, and something that is quite thought provoking. I, I definitely... I. I regularly try to remind myself the power of saying no, which is what you're talking about, but it's, it goes beyond just that. Um, and even just like the things that you don't do. I mean, it, the whole thing, I, I love it. And it, it could be something that you could really kind of go deep on. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, do you by chance have a favorite book or current book that you're reading? Um, one of my favorites was The Outsiders by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Like that was always one that really stuck with me. And I feel like it was very resonant. Another really important one was called The Artist Way by Julia Cameron. And I think if you're like someone who wants to pursue like a creative field, um, she kind of like, it's a book that just kind of gives you the confidence in the sense that, you know, living a life as an artist is a valid life. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I've got uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book on my um, 
bookshelf behind me. I actually haven't read that one yet, so I'm gonna have to pick that one up. Uh, and I and I did read The Artist's Way, and and uh, I also love that. There's some advice in there that that kind of goes beyond just creating art in general and, and just being a creative and how it kind of applies to all different aspects of life. So, um, yeah, amazing. Chris, if today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, so all of your videos, all of your content, everything was to be erased with you and all that you could leave behind is a piece of paper with three truths, three things that you believe to be true. What might those three truths be? Uh, family and friends over anything. Uh, money will not make you happy. And uh, the, the world is not about you. Wow. Powerful. Chris, you've been dropping some serious uh, knowledge bombs for us. This has been super fun. Um, one thing that I try to do with all of my guests on this show is I try to provide as much value as I can, as you've been providing just a ton of value for, for myself personally and for all the listeners. So what might be something that you're currently working on that I might be able to help out with personally or, or possibly even my listeners? Oh, man. Um, I... Well, I don't know. Are you recording like video with this as well? I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I like am launching like a project I've been working on for the last nine or 10 months. It'll probably be in like Q1 of January this year. This is like a deck of cards uh, called Unblock. Um, and the whole idea is to unleash your creative potential. Um, this is something that will be going live. So I think at that point, it'd be like, um, one, I can't wait for you to check it out. And two, uh, basically the idea is that I would love to get it featured in press, or I'd love for like it to get into the right hands of people that I think it will add value to. Um, so, you know, I don't want to give away too much cause I haven't announced it yet, but maybe off screen, Nick, I'll tell you about it. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's somebody in the world that you think, you know, it deserves to be on the desk of. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I, I'm excited to hear more about that. And uh, I would love and be honored to, to help promote it once, once that goes live. And, and I wish you the best with the launch of that. Um, Chris, this has been a, just an amazing conversation. Stoked to be able to catch up with you uh, since our last time together in England. For all of our listeners out here that also have been enjoying this and maybe want to follow along a little bit more or maybe even reach out to you, what might be the best way for, for someone to connect with you online via social media or just follow along with uh, all your content? Yeah. If you want to get inspired, I would say go to YouTube. If you want to like have the opportunity to chat, DM me on Instagram. Um, if you want to have like some fun, more like uh, conversations with a group of people, find me on Twitter. Those are probably the places that, uh, and they're all the same, The Chris Howe, H-A-U is my last name. You can find me literally in all the social media places, but that's where I'm most active is Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Awesome. There you guys have it. If you guys want to connect with Chris, go check him up on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, each platform, obviously a little bit different. And Chris has got some just phenomenal content on all of those. So uh, highly recommend you guys go give him a follow and connect with him. Um, final question of the day here for you, Chris, what is your definition of awesome? Definition of awesome. Somebody who is totally comfortable with themselves. That is awesome. 
I love that. Chris, again, thank you so very much for joining me today. Uh, This has been a truly awesome conversation, and I wish you the best and success in all of your endeavors, all of your video uh, content creation, and uh, yeah, just everything that's coming up for you, as well as... uh, moving into the family field later on in life as well. So I wish you the best there. Um, For all of our listeners out there, I hope you guys got some great value out of this. I personally did, learning a lot about just social media, marketing, and creating content like a pro that Chris truly is. If you guys did get value, please, if you guys could share this out with uh, with one person, that's what I always ask for. Just share it out with a friend, a family member, somebody who you think needs to hear this as that would greatly uh, help us kind of push this content out to the people that, uh, that kind of need to hear it the most. So thank you guys for doing that. And as always, I'm Nick Troutman signing off and I'm wishing you an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.